0: good afternoon and welcome to another fun field few minutes of time with us strolling down uh, hollywood boulevard memory lane if you will it's now time for how betty Davis saved my life life lessons from classic hollywood and boy today we're going to really try to, we got a wild one to try to extract a life lesson from, but I think we can do it. Well, I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And guys, forgive us. There's a little delay in our audio. I don't know what's going on. You know, we've been having some audio issues. Um, so <clears throat> there's a little delay between the conversation between my uh, Georgia and myself. Just be aware of that. But other than that, um, what is our movie for today, Georgia?
1: Close Encounters of the Third Kind, wow. made in
0: 1977.
1: Yes, yes. By the illustrious, very prolific Steven Spielberg. He wrote and directed this movie, and you know he was only 29 when he made this movie.
0: Really? Okay, he was super
1: young. Uh, this is, yes, he was only 29, and he had just finished Jaws mm-hmm. when he did this, and he, as you know. I uh, did Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, and uh, uh, the um, score is by John Williams, and the music becomes the musical <coughs> part of this movie. We'll talk more about that. I did write the very iconic musical theme in this movie, and uh, the special effects are by Douglas Trumbull um although the bigger blockbuster that year was george lucas's film star wars this Mm -hmm. film still stands on its own and it has richard dreyfuss who had lobbied very hard for the part of the lead role he'd just come off of jaws and Mm -hmm. wanted this role very badly we also have terry barr melinda Dillon, uh a very wonderful little pint-sized actor who was only about years old when he did this. Carrie Guffey. He was so
0: cute. The director.
1: Oh, you was. I could have eaten him up. They considered giving so him an offer.
0: Oh, they. Oh, they should've. He was just <laughs> too me cute. Too.
1: And they also have uh, Francois Truffaut, who was a director the first time he'd ever actually acted before the camera, and also yeah. Bob Balaban. So we are off to one of the big science fiction blockbusters that we could have picked. This is our into science fiction. Moy and I have the goal of giving you a very well-rounded podcast. And so we thought we would do this movie. And so here we go. We're going to give you our, our review or our critique on Close Encounters of the Third Kind
0: absolutely absolutely and so we cannot wait um to do that for you so george you already gave us some pretty good uh <clears throat> some pretty good background um i don't even know where to begin with this movie you know this movie is what for, for, what is it 46 years old now i guess and yeah, hopefully by now everyone's seen it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. Is, can we spoil it? I don't, you know, we always struggle with this, spoiling stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. I struggled with this one too, so much. But I mean, I'll try and set it up a little. And then, Moya, you just chime in whenever you want. Uh, well, the story follows Richard Dreyfuss' character. Um, he's an ordinary guy, he works for a power company as a repairman. And he lives in middle America in Indiana. And uh, he, there's a massive power outage. And this is like one story arc. There's like three story arcs. But anyway, so he goes on this power outage. And this ordinary guy experiences something truly extraordinary. And this is in the form of a UFO. And his life is just drastically changed from this point on. Uh, he becomes uh, exhilarated and fascinated and actually obsessed by the experience he's had because he's trying to understand it. Uh, there are, the other two story arcs have to do with um, a woman who uh, loses her little boy. And then there's also um, the U.S. government military and their scientists. And they are trying to kind of keep these goings-on under wraps. <clears throat> and uh, so they are secretly involved in all this. They just don't want everybody to know about it. Um, and then all this all brings us towards, this is like a thriller. It's very suspenseful. It brings us to a very, very big reveal at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's, probably how i should stop the description by not giving away too much but at least you kind of get an idea of what's going on
0: here yeah um and it's so funny that star wars and this movie came out the same time what a great year for sci-fi because it really resurrected sci-fi out the doldrums of the b-movie bin you know um and I, I don't know if you, you know, Georgia does all our research, <clears throat> and I don't know if you, in your research, saw or uh, uh, ran across S- Spielberg, because I know this was based somewhat on a a, a real story um of some uh, a small-town sheriff chasing some lights and such, you know, but <clears throat> I wonder if this also was a love letter to those great Saturday morning B-movies or the, the matinees back in the days in the 50s and kinda going into the sixties, but especially in the fifties. Um, and some some little late forties, fifties, but especially in the fifties. It was great when when, you know, it was racing to the moon and out of space, you know, the space race with the Russians and such. And so uh that's what I got out of it. I don't know, did you run across any of that in your research?
1: Well, you know, I think the thing that stood out for me about this movie was you know, I used to watch and enjoy all these, like, science fiction and outer space movies mm-hmm. and have fun with those. But the thing, this one, stand apart on it is uh, the fact that uh, this one seemed to bridge the gap between the other worlds in a way. It was like there was universal friendship, and um, so there was a more peaceful these are peaceful encounters, as opposed to virtually all the other alien movies, where right. the aliens are are destructive and they're enemies. And, and right. but these but these encounters have a very different tone to them. And so, if you're looking for a movie where we're going to be kicking, we're amassing all the troops together and all the <laughs> weapons, and we're going to be kicking alien butt, it, it doesn't happen. You're not going to see us kicking alien butt in this
0: movie, <laughs> right? Because Alien came out. Uh, the james cameron. Yeah, john john camp james camp james cameron Um, no, no, that's uh really scott i'm sorry really scott. Um, with sigourney weaver a you know great heroine, um One of you know surprisingly Uh, who did um was an action female action hero before your girl declared she was the first was the little 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 mama from uh hunger games, uh, anyway, yes, I am throwing shade at her but um yeah, starring Sigourney Weaver in um, Alien. Um, so that, you know, so all this was all kind of swimming around the same area where we, where the aliens were hostile. And you're right, George. That's a good point because even in those B movies back in the day, um, Water Worlds and um, what is that? Come in Peace and yeah, the, it, the aliens were hostile. But um, and and I'm kind of sh- jumping all over the place. I think after this, uh, well. Steven Spielberg, he did Poltergeist, which, you know, love. We need to do that one, too. I love And I'm, I am am a coward. I am a chicken. A chicken's chicken. Um, But I looked at Poltergeist. I looked at it through my fingers. But, you know, I love it. So he did that. But I don't think he would really have touched. And, they, of course, he did E.T. So let's park it right there. Did you find in your research that <clears throat> um, I kind of thought Close Encounters Was a prequel to ET or ET was a sequel to Close Encounters kind of, Um, and and they have an absolute. This is just me saying that, but did you see any commentary on that?
1: Yes, I did, because he did ET later on, and so you see so much of the things that he does in this movie. You will see them later on. They're mm-hmm. a basis for what he does in ET. Absolutely, you can see the direct relationship, okay. the uh, special effects, right? Uh, the, the he does the alien is being more uh, like f- more friendly or loving, as opposed to yeah. I mean, this is all directly related. Yes, this was his precursor to ET. You're absolutely right, Moya.
0: Okay, yeah, I kinda I kinda got that vibe because I I saw E. T. first. And I'm I told you I'm a chicken's chicken, I was scared of E.T. and there's absolutely nothing scary about E. T. Then I saw Close Encounters and then it then it kinda later on, later like, oh, hey I was like, Hey, wait a minute, like the meme. I was like, I think E. T. in this movie, even though of, you know, of course it's both directed by Spielberg, but I kind of say, you know, you could have almost said, okay, did this, even though the alien and ET and this alien in the movie don't look anything alike, but you know, hey, did this alien tell the ET aliens, hey, man, you might want to visit Earth, you know, <laughs> and you know, see what's going on there because it was a, a lot of, like I said, cross referencing.
1: Oh, yeah, and you know, if I don't, uh uh, listeners out there who don't know what it means uh, uh, the third kind what it means is the first kind is a sighting the second <clears throat> is a sighting with physical evidence and the third in this movie is contact and then the later on there would be a fourth kind which is abduction mm-hmm. so that's what that means but one of the things that really surprised me in my research about this movie is that both the air force and nasa refused to cooperate in the making of this film wow. and in fact in fact Steven Spielberg received a 20-page, they went to the trouble of sending him a 20-page letter telling him that the release of this movie would be dangerous.
0: Wow.
1: And that made me stop and think, what must they know? Or what is it that... They're so afraid of
0: exactly in
1: in the if it's of just swamp gas. Why yeah. are they so worried? That's
0: a- if it's just swamp gas and 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 exactly. weather balloons. What's the big deal? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, um, I uncovered some other things that I thought were kind of interesting about this movie. Um, Ray Bradbury, who is one of the greatest science fiction writers, uh, said he thought this was the greatest science fiction film ever made. Mm -hmm. And um, now Steven Spielberg would go on to relate that editing the last 30 minutes of this movie was the most difficult thing he had ever done. And this movie was made in order to help Columbia Pictures because it was going into bankruptcy, and they mm. wanted to have a big blockbuster so that they could, you know, stay alive. So uh, they rushed uh, Steven Spielberg a little bit in the release of the movie, and so that's why years later in 1980 he did a new, like a more updated version of it.
0: Okay,
1: where he added some things into it. Oh and so wow! Some people really like the new version. <clears throat> They they really like it a lot. Um, so, um, as I mentioned before, um, you know, when they were casting this movie uh, with uh, with Richard Dreyfuss and the lead, they had actually considered Steve McQueen, but Steve McQueen says, "Hey, I can't cry on camera. You're gonna have to get somebody." else. <laughs> ah, and so they also my considered some practice wasn't everything at that point but anyway um they also considered james Cotton, al Pacino, jack nicholson and wow. gene hackman and of course um some of them wanted more money and a share of the profits and all mm. that but um one of the things that i like about this movie you have to understand that in his own life steven spielberg's mother was a musician and his father was a computer scientist okay and he did not even together or understand until he did an actor's studio interview with james lipton and james lipton said isn't that what influenced the contact the uh uh, attempts at contacting aliens because he used a combination of computers and music together to try and communicate with them all of a sudden, he was dumbstruck and said, "I just now realized it at this very moment when you what? said it. I didn't realize wow. it had to do." Yeah, he was obsmacked when mm. he told him that. That's crazy, and and so yeah, it is crazy. Um, and so, yes, this is one of this is a, a movie where you have the music being a very integral part of the story. Um, and so you know, in Jaws, he used the two notes, right? Remember, two notes in Jaws which right. was really a big part of it. This one, you've got the five note sequence. Well, yeah, I have it queued up. Let's which see if you can.
0: Be on... Let's let's see if I can play it. I have it queued up. Let's see if it'll play. Um, due to our audio issue, so we'll try. So that's so famous. That is like one of the most famous five notes in music history. George is nodding her head, guys. It sure is. And then, so go finish Uh, your point. Yes. Finish your point.
1: Okay, well, uh, on the musical scale, if you want to know where it is, you know, it's Ray me do do soul. I, 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 I'm tone deaf. Ray <laughs> Ray me re, do do soul But anyway, so there you, yeah. Um, and then I just also wanted to say that um, Steven Spielberg said that if he had to do it over again, this was before he became a husband and father, but if you had to remake the movie over again, he would have had Richard Dreyfus not leave and take off from his family and leave them behind.
0: Oh, you know, I thought that was deep, to say the least. Um, I know, well, from the movie, let's just say him and his wife were having some issues. Look, he was dad. He was a Midwestern dad, and, you know, I'm not trying to push stereotypes, but, you know, sometimes dad you know, gets pushed to the side or, you, you know, dad. Some kind, sometimes dad becomes the invisible man for X, Y, Z reasons or whatever. <clears throat> and that's why I liked this movie because it, it really brought this, the, the story about the UFOs, the aliens, and the story of this man's life and the politics. They all had equal weight. You know, it wasn't just like aliens, aliens, aliens. You know, it was, it was about, it was, it was just everything had an equal weight. It was absolutely integral to the plot.
1: I agree with you, Moya, because it showed such a human perspective on the whole thing. Because, yeah, there was all the razzle dazzle and there's special effects and everything. And by the way, uh, he didn't use CGI. It was in its infancy, yes. very beginnings. And he tried it and he thought it looked too fake. But getting back, yes, I thought this movie, what really made it so good and so deep was from the human standpoint right. and how it affected these people and what their thinking was and so you know when I saw this movie it started to make me think you know about some really I I started to think about some really deep stuff you know Mm -hmm. it's about like you know how um, and just not just the cosmic sense but like how your life matters and you matter Mm -hmm. and your place in the world and you know they took a person like this just an everyday person and look what what happened to him? I mean, the, this was just very stunning. Right. And then this woman, and and the two of them—I mean, she was a mom, and you know, it's just the power here of, of what's happening and her maternal instincts together. Right. Uh, and and then I thought, well, you know, they're kind of making fun of the government too they're kind of you know making them look you know how they often do you know yeah but 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 also you know where also there's also the factor of government covering things up that they don't want you to know you know Mm -hmm. which we've been examining more closely
0: these decades right
1: um but you know um i i thought that there is just something primal that is embedded in all of us humans i think it's In us that we have a sense of wonder, you know, when we gaze up and we look into the night sky and now that we're doing travel now going to the moon and we're sending Mm -hmm. these satellites out there and they're visiting other planets and other galaxies you know, I felt that there was a very strong spiritual aspect or component to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to be perfectly honest; I am a non-believer when it comes to UFOs. I don't really <laughs> believe in extraterrestrials. I have to admit, I just full disclosure here, I don't. But I look at it in a sense that there is something about it that makes you wonder about something higher and beyond us. Mm-hmm. And that's, I looked at it with the way that Spielberg wanted us to look at it, yes. I think, because he wanted us to have a sense of childlike wonder. Mm-hmm. And and not only shown through the little boy, but the adults, at times the adults seem to have that too. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I looked at the movie.
0: And, you know, I was going to ask you, did you believe in aliens and all that? Um, I don't either... I, I do want to believe because I love the space outfits. Like, I wish I could dress like, I, I just thought <laughs> we would be like Barbarella, like from Jane Fonda, like the thigh high boots and the onesies and the capes. Georgia, I, you know, I'm a ham. That's the only reason why I want to go to outer space is for the outfits. I want the LeMay and my hair done up all crazy and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, now the aliens and the freak a and in their in mouth is in a foot and all that. I I can't deal with that. But <laughs> and and so I'm, I love Star Trek, Star Wars the original trilogy. I'm a huge fan. So you know, and I I agree with. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And then I used to look at ancient aliens and all that kind of stuff because like I have a huge imagination and I I, I love stories like. somebody can stop me on the street and tell me the most ridiculous story ever, I'm going to believe it. Okay. But you know, again, that's just me, a person with a vivid imagination, but yeah, you know, it would be cool. Well, we think it would be cool to see a big old ship come down. I don't know, girl, we got too many problems right now. We don't need, we don't need any more trouble. Like Bob Marley, we don't need no trouble. (laughs) We don't need, we got our own problems down here. (laughs)
1: Yeah. well you know as a kid one of my very favorite shows was lost in space i loved it
0: it's fun i
1: still love it to this
0: day yes star trek all that good stuff buck rogers and again the outfits your girl had a girl a cat suit a lame or um what's that stretchy material with the glitter whatever that is a sequence cat suit And a rape girl? Oh, my gosh. And, like, Lieutenant Yohora, when I saw her on Star Trek, oh, like, you know, R.I.P. Nichelle Nichols, one of the most beautiful women on television ever. So, of course, you know, you want to be her. So, yeah, yeah, but, you know, and then, yeah, and then they might come here and just be really boring, and, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, anyway, I don't believe in all that. But, you know, hey, if y'all believe it, Let us know in the comments. Hit us up on Facebook. We're at How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. Um, Hit us up on there, and and we'd love to know your thoughts on um, Do You Believe in UFOs? And and let us know about that. Georgia, don't you love the feel of this movie as far as the special effects? Like Star Wars, this movie, and other like Alien, um, the first one. I love the feel of it. Because, yes, the the special effects were quote-unquote crude, but they were state-of-the-art at their time. And I just really appreciate the effort, the people making the miniatures and the innovation. I just love the feel of it, even in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's kind of been lost now with CGI, in my opinion.
1: You know, Moya, that is such a great point you just made because he uses this to bring on this really mood where it's like stunning and glorious and Mm -hmm. spectacular and wondrous. Yeah. You know, and, and I I thought he just really nails it, you know, and what I thought was amazing to me is after he makes this movie says, well, I don't think it just had enough wowness to it. And I thought,
0: really? Really? What what, what more could you want?
1: (laughs) I thought it was done in such a way where, it feels almost it's uplifting yeah and it's uh mystical and it's there's so much power and intensity but mm-hmm. it's also reverential yeah and so i thought man this guy really did such an amazing work i mean, I, mean I look at I look at it and go. I'm so impressed with this. Was 1977, right? And the special effects really held up for me. Yeah, it wasn't like Plan Nine from
0: Outer Space where he- <laughs> uh, <now laughs> don't you do Don't me. you talk about my B movies, girl? You know I'm I strange. love. I, I, I <laughs> you know, I love those B. They're horrible, but they're so good. They're so good. They're bad. See, I'm an extremist, Georgia. Either they have to be like Plan Nine from Outer Space, and like those, like I said, those Saturday morning matinees. Where they're just so bad. They're good. And, and you know, they don't take they self, themselves that seriously, you know, you would think. But then you go into, like, the ripoffs of, like, the Star Wars movies and all that. And, and, and girl, they got some horrific, like, from the 80s and stuff. It's so bad because they were trying to, you know, get, get some of that Star Wars heat, you know. And, and they do take themselves seriously. And they're so bad. I can't even look at them. You know, but I, I you know, you, so like those of you who love MST3K, Mystery Science Theater 3000, go look at those <laughs> because they are a treat. They are an absolute delight to see the most horrific Star Wars ripoff and some of those good B movies, too, that um, should have never been made. But you're like, thank you for making this is so bad. <laughs> it just does your soul good to see them.
1: Boy, you have the same sensibilities that I do because I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. And oh Riff Tracks, so shout funny. out to Riff Tracks. So camp- <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Hilarious. I
1: love it. I love the, the campy one.
0: Oh, <laughs> man.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you'll see those on Spingoolie. Shout out to Spingoolie. Yeah, yeah. And on yeah. Uh, MeTV on Saturday. And some of those are just, they're so bad. They're just... Fun and hilarious. They're fun.
0: They're fun. and the, the the man in the suit. He's supposed to be the alien in his rubber, and you can still see. Oh, it's just so good. You could clearly see it's a man in a suit. You know, it's just so good. So good is bad. Um, something else I want to talk about. So, to back to what you were saying about Spielberg. So then he fast forwarded their War of the Worlds. With, to a Tom Cruise. Have you seen that one? He re, he redid it. Have you seen that one? I think bits and pieces of it, okay. yeah. Check it out. Not the whole thing. Check it out. I think he got his, wow, because of course CGI, you could do CGI. Uh I, uh, I forgot when it came out, Water Worlds with Tom Cruise. That was an excellent movie. A, a remake, you know, sometimes you can't do remakes. Well, we know Spielberg is a master. Um, but I think he got the wow factor in that. Um, but but he didn't overdo it and just go CGI because what I think Spielberg is a master at is still keeping the human ele- element without being melodramatic. He draws you in, he, and you know what? Close Encounters, as, as you know, as fantastic as it is about aliens and all this kind of stuff making contact, he still draws you in because he's so good at the human element. You Know even, even, even he didn't do Star Wars, but uh, uh Lucas with Star Wars, as fantastic as that is, he still drew these people are excellent. At, and Spielberg, you know, help with that, are good at, at keeping the human piece in there without it being too ridiculous, you know. Oh, I agree, Moya. He really gets it. Uh,
1: that I think that's what really is uh, the signature of the movies that he does, no matter how different the circumstances that the characters are in, I think their humanity always shines through, and that's what makes it. So there's something about it that's always kind of like uh, positive and uplifting about it.
0: Right. And I think you don't get Stranger Things uh, 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 on Netflix. I'm not a fan. I couldn't get into it. But I see why people like it, um, because it's not just about aliens or monsters. You know, it's it's about the people that are living every day, and it just happen to their worlds just happen to collide with the monsters, and then here come the gov- here comes the government, and they have cute kids. E.T. That's a, that's another element. Element. If you're gonna do kids in a movie, you have to get the right children. And that little boy, the uh uh Richard Dreyfus kids were cute. That little boy was cute. Uh, we know the E.T. kids were cute. So um, the Stranger Things kids—they're—they're they're, you know even though they're pretty much grown now, but you know they perfect casting. You got to get perfect casting, and and whoever done the cast did the casting on all these films, pitch perfect.
1: Well, Moya, uh, I think I we did a pretty thorough job of covering this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any final thoughts?
0: No, uh, just uh, our next movie is going to be Pretty Woman. So we're going to extremes here. Pretty Woman is our next movie. And let us know if you have any more sci-fi choices. I I think we just kicked out one um, a few minutes ago. But yeah, we want to do more sci-fi as well.
1: Yeah, I, I just had such a blast doing this one. This was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm up for it.
0: Okay, well, well, that hey, let's do it. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy, um, and uh, so we're looking. We're gonna try to put some some fantasy and just try to run the gamut of all these great films that we have. I in the life lesson, I don't know, George. You know, we don't have to always try to reach for a life lesson, but don't 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 get abducted by aliens. Is that the life lesson? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know one of the things that I try to think of is I like to look at the world every day with a sense of wonder and appreciation for Mm -hmm. everything. And um, I think that's one of the things that's such a takeaway from this movie is reinstilling that sense of wonder in all of us. Mm. And so I think it it doesn't have to be a spaceship or something like that, but I mean, um, just... I, tell you, I, had like, I have to tell you about an experience that I had one time when I was out camping, and um, uh, I was with a very, very dear friend, and this friend says, well, I know it's pitch black out here, but let's get in the um, canoe and row out into the lake. And I was like going, what? my first reaction was, uh-uh, no, I no, am not no. No. Not, <laughs> not. no, heck and no. Not no,
0: heck no. And then
1: I, I'm, <laughs> I know. So we rode out into the middle of this big lake. It's Mm -mm. pitch black. Mm -mm. And then this person says, okay, what you do is now lie down in the canoe and like both sides like are up over me. And so what it does is I'm looking straight up into this canopy Mm -hmm. of just a gazillion stars. And I felt like, I was up in the stars and I was lying in the stars because I couldn't see anything else, but those stars, the whole rest of the world was just gone. And it was the most incredible, mystical, magical experience. I will never forget it. I never will. And so I just wanted to say, if you really look at the world through a new pair of eyes and go out there and see all the beauty and wondrous things around in creation, to me, that that is one of the takeaways I have. Yes, in Steven Spielberg.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Just you know, you don't have to. I totally agree. I can't say it better. Just look at what's around you. You know the the beauty of God's green earth. You know you don't have to keep waiting for some some big the big happening in that regard. Like you know, in this movie, I mean, just look at look at animals and childbirth and, and it's just absolutely beautiful but georgia how did y'all get back to shore you said it was pitch black how did, what did you know were y'all able to get back to to the shore with ease
1: yeah we we just rode right back we just rode right back it wasn't like a, a huge huge lake Oh, okay it wasn't that okay. a, a real big one it was just a, let me tell you something really crazy that happened the next day so the next day in daylight we're like canoeing down all the rest of these channel lakes mm-hmm. and there's like this big old cabin this guy has like a whole chi- a whole like a rotisserie chicken mm-hmm. and he takes his chicken and he launches it off the balcony it lands in the lake and so i yelled up at the guy and i said hey why did you do that why'd you throw the chicken in the lake and he goes to feed the alligator
0: oh see <laughs> see nope lake placid, everybody that movie, Lake Placid, y'all remember that with Betty White, girl. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. See, nope, 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 nope. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, girl. Oh, that's that's the way to end the show. That's how you end the show. Lake from Star, from Star Close Encounters of Star Wars to Lake Placid. Now you tell me what's real and what's not. <laughs> you tell me which one it was real, which one you really need to be worried about. Well, guys, that is it, Georgia. Thank you for that story. I love that. That is that is I, I, I there was how you say you keeping it real, girl. okay? I not real okay <laughs> Stop being silly. Well, I am Moya,
1: and I'm Georgia.
0: And we are so grateful for you for the time you take out on your first and third uh, well, every other Saturday you know, just depending on how it falls in the calendar. And we will see you next time with Pretty Woman starring Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. We got Richard Gere back on deck after we did American Gigolo. So we will see you next time on How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. Don't forget to like us on, uh, on Facebook and follow us and and we have a a new late to party, late to the party video um, that's on our Facebook and our, um, uh, our YouTube page of the same name, How Better David Saved My Life. And the latest video is about Hattie, Hattie Jacques, famous uh, BBC TV and film star who had quite the love triangle. You know, like so saying, big girls need love too, but not like that. That was weird. Well, anyway. <laughs> You guys take care. We will see you next time on another exciting episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life. Life lessons from Classic Hollywood. We can't wait to be with you again. Take care, guys. And the music's acting funny, so we might not have. So let's put on let's put on um close encounters again. And that'll take us out. Let's see. Can we get anything going on here? Yeah, yeah. let's 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 do it again. Take care, guys. We'll see you next time on How Better David Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood.